But as we talk about missions, this is Missions Emphasis Week, and of course, missions is always at the heart of West Coast uh, uh, Baptist College and, uh, the, uh, uh, and the church here. Uh, but there are three things that I want to talk with you about uh, that will motivate you, that will truly motivate you uh, in the work of God uh, to become a missionary. And uh, I have a goal this morning. Uh, honestly, in my heart, I wish from this student body, I wish we could have 10 families for the country of Uganda. Unemployment rate for young people in Uganda is, is uh, from 17 to 26 years of age is 60%. They roam the streets. They're not gangs. They're just walking around. And we need 10 families from uh, this college right here. And then I'd like to see 10 families for Zambia. Zambia, one of the most fabulous places you've ever been. I mentioned last night, we had 100 preachers that some of them walked through the jungles uh, for three days in order to come to the training sessions. And uh, ladies walked uh, three or four days. Some of the ladies walked with the men. They slept on the jungle floor at night. Zambia can be the sending center of all of Africa. And um, then, of course, uh, in, uh, near Zambia is that little dusty country of Namibia. And, uh, uh, and uh, Ethiopia, oh, Ethiopia, we need uh, families uh, for Ethiopia. And then, of course, uh, Brother Carney, are they here today, the Carneys uh, here? Uh, uh, you should have seen me. I, I took his tie away from him. Uh, see one missionary, Con, and another missionary, and I got his necktie. But he needs 10 families. Amen. He needs 10 families for uh, Ghana. Okay? And then, then, of course, there are others. But I just mentioned a few because the fields are white, and God has told us to, uh, to literally pray uh, for laborers, and uh, my wife and I prayed over and again. We prayed over and again uh, here at West Coast for laborers. God needs young people like you. Uh, he could have called the birds and they would have sung the redemption story. I've never heard a bird sing off key, have you? Never. And they, go, they would go forth. The clouds would have spelled it out. The stars would have kept it ever uh, in the sky that God loves the world, but God chose to put a treasure in an earthen vessel. You are that chosen vessel of God. You're special. You're something else. Let me tell you something, young people. You're not just a reject. You're not just somebody from a, a broken family or somebody that had nothing else to do. You are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And you are royalty, royalty in shoe leather, okay? And I ever keep that in mind uh, because you are important in the work of God. Now, so the things that will uh, motivate you. Uh, first of all, Psalm 142 and verse 4, if you want to write it down. Uh, Psalm 142. The psalmist said, I looked on my right hand and beheld. There was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. No man cared 
for my soul. That's the hungry-hearted cry of the world. I mentioned to you the country of Zambia, beautiful country. Lake Victoria, uh, the Victoria, Victoria Falls are there. And uh, the Zambezi River, fourth largest river in Africa, comes down and then cuts across and then flows out to the Indian, Indian Ocean. Up and down that valley, up and down that Zambezi River, there are hundreds of little towns, hundreds of little towns. The water supply for those towns is the Zambezi River. That's wonderful they have such a good water supply. But the problem is those rivers are filled, that, that river is filled with uh, 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 hippopotamus and, uh, and with uh, crocodiles. And uh, children are taught from the very time that they're uh, able to walk to go and get uh, a container of water from the Zambezi River. And uh, they're taught to be alert, to watch, because lurking in those waters, uh, there are those awful crocodiles. And, uh, uh, and uh, so they're taught all through the years. One day, there in this dusty town, alongside the Zambezi River, there was a grandmother. And that grandmother, all of her life, she had gone to the river to get water. This day, Grandma decided that she wanted uh, uh, some fish. So she rigged up her fishing pole, went out there, took her water containers, and uh, so she could carry the water back. But she sat there. She sat there on the banks of the Zambezi. And uh, as she sat there, she threw that bait out and sat there watching. She, I don't know if Grandma couldn't hear. I don't know if she couldn't see very well. But she sat there waiting, hoping that she'd have fish for lunch that day. And as she sat there, she might have even gone to sleep. I don't know. But all of a sudden, lurking down there in the waters was this huge crocodile. And suddenly, Grandma didn't know, but suddenly that, that crocodile leapt out of the water and grabbed her in a vice-like grip. And her pitiful cry rang throughout that town as the crocodile carried her down under the water. And uh, Grandma's cry could be uh, heard throughout that, uh, throughout that town. That's the cry of the world. And young people, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. There are things that are even worse than that, that, act, uh, that seeks to capture, to enslave all of Africa. I think, first of all, of the pagan religions. See, there have been major uh, Christian movements throughout Africa in history, great missionaries. David Livingston, you've studied him and so many others uh, that uh, uh, did a great work for God uh, in Africa. But then after that third generation, they began to incorporate those pagan religions again. So that's sweeping across uh, Africa once again. And then not only that, but there's another fourth, Is Islam. Islam is sweeping. Islam is doing everything they can to conquer that entire continent. You may have heard on the news, 
1,300 little girls, 1,300 little girls were surrounded by the Muslim soldiers and suddenly those pitiful little girls began to scream, help me, help me, help me. And they were taken away and most of them have never been heard from. My friends, that's the cry of the world. Islam is determined to take over Africa. Then not only that, but, uh, but the, uh, China. China is doing everything they can to bankrupt that entire continent. They're build, building roads. They're building entire cities of apartment complexes. And uh, uh, they then, of course, charge the governments, and the governments are in debt uh, in, uh, uh, to China. And uh, after they built the buildings, and after they built uh, the roads, then the workmen and all of the equipment is taken out of Africa, and there they stand. Entire 10-story uh, uh, apartments, or they call them condos. And so China is seeking, China is seeking, and those uh, to enslave all of Africa and own it all. And uh, the pitiful cry comes from Africa. No man cares for my soul. I want to tell you something, young people. I want to tell you something. God the Father cares. He loved them so much. He gave His only begotten Son to create. Oh, listen. And uh, uh, God the Son cares. God the Son cares. You remember, uh, to create only took words, but to redeem cost Jesus Christ His life. He cares. He said, no man takes my life, I give it. You know, Jesus said one time, follow me. He said, no man takes my life, I give it. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you willing to give your life? Are you willing to give your life? That's, that's the real question. God the Son cares. God the Holy Spirit, He's willing to be insulted. He's willing to be grieved. And oh, how much he's grieved when he sees a great group like this and some saying, well, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be in the ministry. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be a missionary. Listen, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Make the commitment. If God, if, if God doesn't want you somewhere, he can stop you for sure, right? There's a world out there that's crying. They're crying, no man cares. Good Christians ought to care if God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit cares, don't you think? And uh, so there, the thing that will motivate you, first of all, is the, uh, is the cry of the world. Secondly, we have heard the call of God from Dr. Sisk as he uh, unfolded to us Isaiah chapter six uh, and verse eight, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What kind of response will you give? Remember that time when Moses, Moses thought, I'm a failure. You see, he spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was something because he, was, he received the best training uh, that uh, Israel could give. He thought he's really something. But he spent the second 40 years of his life finding out 
He was nothing. He became a herder of sheep in order to be a leader of people. And then you remember the third year of his life, the third, uh, the third 40 years of his life, he became that great leader that, de uh, that delivered a nation. It's time for you to come to that period in your life when you say, I see the bush aglow. I will now turn aside. It's going to be different from here. I will now turn aside. I will hear and obey the voice. But Moses wasn't hardly ready. God said, Moses, I've got a job for you. And Moses said, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Some of you think that you have an inferiority complex. Let me tell you, young people, from the very moment you were conceived, God had his eye upon you. While you were just an embryo in mama's womb, God was clothing you, preparing you. He was the one that chose the family in which you were to be born. And he, because he's got a job that only you can do and nobody else can do. And so many times we say, well, that child uh, was, uh, was raised in uh, a, a dysfunctional family. Honestly, I don't know very many dysfunctional families uh, uh, many that were not dysfunctional families in the Bible. Abraham's family was. Jacob's family sure was a mess. And David's family. Listen, let's not cop out with excuses. God allowed you to be put in that family, in that particular ethnic group. God allowed you to be uh, what you are today, and he brought you here uh, to put the finishing touches on you to be a, and a witness throughout the world. And so, so the, uh, Moses, though, said, uh, who am I? And then Moses, Moses went and did what God had prepared him to do. I think about, I think about uh, Gideon. Remember God said, thou mighty man? And Gideon looked around, he said, who, me? And that's how, what some of you are, are saying, who, me? Let me tell you, when God put his hand on you, he, he knew all about you. Every tear, every heartache, everything that's happened, every sin that he already knew. And when you were just a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner, God still loved you. And let me tell you something. The God that I serve is not looking he, he doesn't walk around with a stick in his hand that has a nail in the end of it, hoping to be able to swat one of his children. You see, God is conforming you to the image of Christ, and if he loved you before you were saved, he sure enough loves you now that he's your father. Isn't that right? And so fix that in your mind. You are loved by a heavenly father, and he's got awesome plans uh, for you all of your life. Remember Isaiah when he heard the voice of the Lord. Isaiah said, here am I. I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer. I'm not waiting for the draft. I will volunteer. You see, God's looking for volunteers. He's looking. You see, some people say, I shall not be moved. That's their favorite song. Here am I, Lord. Move me. 
No, God's looking for volunteers. He's looking for those that will shout from their soul, here am I, Lord, send me. And then you remember the Apostle Paul. What was his response when he sensed the call of God? What will thou have me to do, right? Now, come on, uh, uh, young people. Uh, God is looking for those who will say, what will you have me to do? And then when he tells you, then get on and do it. And uh, be prepared uh, for it. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a definite call from God to stay in the United States? A definite call from God. Well, if you don't have a definite call from God, you've got five commands to go into all the world. I get amused. I'm in uh, places where that uh, they get hooked on a doctrine called Calvinism or hyper-Calvinism, and they got five points. And these five points, they say, Lord, I got five points saying, that soul winning, that missionary work, that's your responsibility. I'm an ex-military officer, and uh, when we told our troops, take that hill, take that mountain, none of those soldiers said, uh, sir, I got five points saying you ought to take it. <laughs> what do you think would have happened? Huh? <laughs> or when I was a kid working on the farm, and Dad said, go milk the cows. Well, Dad, I got five points saying you need to. <laughs> wow. I, I wouldn't have stood it. I've been able to sit down for. <laughs> now, young, young people, listen, let's come off all that stuff. Well, you, everybody that has any sense believes in a sovereign God. But if he is sovereign, then you have to completely obey him. Okay? Come off this stuff of, of saying, well, I believe in the sovereignty of God, so uh, whoever's elected is going to get saved. Come on, God told you to tell every creature and he is not sovereign in your life until you begin to say, I'm responsible to offer the gospel to every creature. Okay, so that ought to settle your theology real quick. Like Now, so uh, uh, we, uh, uh, I said the second thing was the, uh, the call of God. And then the third thing, though, that you have to consider is the cost of surrender. Listen, Jesus said, I will be the one that makes the terms for discipleship, not you. See, he said, if any man be my disciple, let him, he said, any man, if any man be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me. Now, sometimes you have to pay the cost. Um, I introduced you to my beautiful wife a little bit ago. She is deathly afraid of snakes. I am not kidding you. She, that, she, she was raised in Louisiana, and uh, you know they got crocodiles and alligators and snakes and everything else down. She's deathly afraid of snakes. Well, in Zambia, they have two special kinds of snakes. One of them is a green mamba. That's what we call a two-step snake. He bites you, and you take two steps and die. That's, that's the green mamba. And then the black mamba, 
that black mamba sneaks through the well of elephant grass and uh, it can sense you and hear you and it'll chase you down. Well, Mario was telling us about these two snakes. So we come, we're going out to a jungle church under a mango tree. And uh, my wife said, I'm not getting out of this car. And uh, okay, uh, but so we got there. She stepped out of the car, the elephant grass was there. And uh, I'm talking about the price you have to pay, see. And the elephant grass was there and there was a little trail, little path through that elephant grass. And being a Southern gentleman, ladies first. <laughs> so, so here she is going along. I tell you, watching everything. And when she turned her head, I reached down and grabbed her ankle. <laughs> she jumped <laughs> above that elephant grass. She said, you've been married four months. You may not make it to five. <laughs> the, cost, the cost of surrender. <laughs> but it is going to cost you. You know, I think about and I'll, I'll close with this. Yes, there have been times of trials and testing. You've heard the story of Dr. Kim. I do not know of a man that has ever been tried more than Dr. Daniel Kim, and yet has never buried. I can't even tell you of all the sufferings, his military experience, his soul-winning experience, his family, uh, so many trials and testings. And uh, yet he, re he has remained true uh, through it all. And I've walked with him through some of those. But I remember I came home on furlough and I was preaching uh, a lot of meetings in those days. Uh, the uh, missionaries, some of us, uh, they would have preaching revivals almost every night. And uh, I remember uh, one night I drove home from a meeting and then the next night I was scheduled down in Texas. And uh, so my, uh, uh, the next morning, um, uh, my son, I was sleeping in and the kids were preparing for school. My son, I have had four daughters, one son, and uh, so my son came in the room, jumped up in the bed, sat down on my stomach, and twisted my nose. And he said, wake up. And I said, how in the world do you think I can sleep with something like that going on, Steve? And uh, he said, Dad, I want to ask you a question. All right, what is it, bud? He said, I'm in school now, first grade. And he said, the other boys talk about learning to pass football. Other boys uh, talk about their dads, teach them how to swing a bat. And said, but you're always gone. And said, why can't you be like other daddies? And I said, well, Steve, you know, we've, we're gonna be in the States about a year, then we'll be back uh, in uh, Korea. 
And we talked, and I said, now listen, I got to leave this morning. And uh, so uh, I'll come by the school and I'll tell you goodbye. That'll be all right, bud? That'll be fine. And so that morning at, at the recess time, I left the house. I drove up to the school to turn left, and there was a, a wire fence around the school. And I looked all over that school ground because he, that morning, had worn a little red sweater. I looked all over the school ground, and I couldn't see Steve. And I thought, well, he's forgotten. And uh, so as I turned, though, I saw a little boy standing with his hand stuck through that fence and like a Korean child waving like they wave in Korea. And he'd been standing there waiting, waiting to see Dad say goodbye. I looked at that little boy and I burst into tears. God, I can't take it. I cannot stand it. Son, you've got to go on. You've got a revival starting tonight. And so I waved at Steve. I went on out on the highway and I got so blinded by tears that I couldn't, I could not see the road. I pulled off the side and I said, Lord, please, I can't do it anymore. And uh, God said, now I gave my son for you. Will you give your son for me? And, uh, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going on. It was in that revival that Dr. F.C. Leicester surrendered to be a missionary. And during the 20 years of his missionary journey in Korea, over 100,000 received Christ as Savior. But how about Steve? On board the ship, sailing out across the Pacific Ocean, Steve said, Dad, I have a question. What is it, bud? He said, what does it mean to surrender your all to Christ? I explained it. He said, I'd like to do that right now. And on the tossing deck of that ship, Steve knelt and said, oh, God, I want to be a man just like Daddy. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. He and I traveled. We worked together. We started a church, co-pastoring. And then one day, Vietnam was not open. The Civil War was still going in Cambodia. And... Uh, Steve said, now, Dad, I know where your heart is. I know where your heart is. Please, I'll pastor the church, and you go ahead and uh, fulfill your desires. Going into that secret underground training program, those secret underground programs in Vietnam, and then finally going over into the killing fields, and while the Civil War was still going, United Nations forces said, don't even think about coming in here. And yet, Steve said, Dad, go ahead. And that's how Vietnam opened some of the 
kids are here from our missionaries in Vietnam. And, uh, and today, after 23 years, 23 years, the killing fields, 23 years, the, uh, or in, from 1975 to 1979, as far as we know, every Christian was slaughtered or driven out. But today, after 23 years, Cambodia is now sending missionaries to various countries. They have come from nothing to being a mission-sending organization. They said, we, they said we sit here like a little launching pad for world missions. And now they're sending out missionaries. Yes, there are prices to pay, but I'm going to tell you the dividends are great when you totally, when you hear a crying world and when you s surrender to the call of God and you are willing to pay that price, when you come to that point, my friends, there's no telling what God might do through you. But it starts at that full commitment. I sat in college with the jokesters, the comedians. I sat in the college with those that chose a different lifestyle and uh, those that chose different doctrines. But I also sat in college with men who caught the vision of the world and literally claimed towns, cities, and countries for God. You can do that too.